It's Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. Whether you find yourself in a good place or a difficult place, perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place, a place to hear that you matter, to hear that you're loved, and that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Now, if you're not able to enjoy today's entire program, just go to the website, richardellistalks.com. All of these video talks plus hundreds of audio talks are waiting to encourage you, challenge you, and to give you hope at richardellistalks.com. So with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is As Good As It Gets. There were some old Milwaukee beer commercials, one of them... um, the guys are mountain climbing and they're zip lining and they're doing all these crazy things. Another one, uh, they're bass fishing and these huge bass come out of the water on the, you know, it's just this all slowed down. Uh, they're actually fishing on Bidico Creek in Louisiana, if you want to be specific. And at the end of the, their day, they've done all this stuff. And these guys are all together and they pop their old Milwaukee and one of them says what? It just doesn't get any better than this. You better hope so. (laughs) Right? Now, you say, well, but that's their thing. Okay? So let me ask you here and beyond, what is your thing? What is your scene? If you had to create your scene, you had to create your place, who's there? Where are you? What have you got? Uh, Is it stuff? Is it a place? Uh, who, Who has something in mind? where you literally would say, it doesn't get any better than this. Now, I got nothing wrong with you having things as long as the things don't have me or you. You say, well, I've got, I I made money, I invested wisely, I have money. Good for you. As long as all that money doesn't own you. So here's another way to ask it. Do you have more that you know for a fact you have deposited more on the other side than you have on this side. You say, well, how would I know that? If that's that's true, you would know that. And I'll tell you something else about that. Everyone who knows you would know that. Because then you're not just some rich guy Your life is so committed to Christ and your resources are so committed to Christ that everything about you is about the other side. It's about accomplishing things here that will have eternal value and you cannot live that life and someone not see and know that. It's not possible. Sooner or later, that's going to manifest. It will, it will take you places you would not have gone before. It will cause you to give to things, do things. It'll just change your life. You, you, will, not, you will not be the same person if you are investing and, and doing things on this side that transfer and you're moving it ahead. John chapter 14 John chapter 14, and let's start with verse 1. Um, you can always tell what's going on with the people around Jesus because he addresses what they're thinking without, 
them knowing maybe that he even knows. They don't know he knows what they're thinking. But John chapter 14, verse 1, what does he say to his followers? Let not your heart be troubled. So their hearts are troubled. Something's wrong. The thought of him leaving, for instance. Um, I, the closest I can get to this, since I was a six-year-old boy, and I look back on it, I can't remember anything before that much. But when I was a six-year-old boy, I heard the gospel. My dad happened to be preaching the gospel, and I heard that Jesus died on a cross, was buried and raised for, from the dead for me. And I was sitting on the front row of a little church, and my feet didn't even reach the ground, and I knew that God was calling my name. And there was a battle over my little soul. You say, how do six-year-olds know this? When I sit down with children, because of that experience, I know that children have understanding. And they know there's evil and there's good. And when someone is pulling on your soul, you know that. And I made a decision. On that day, and there have been a lot of challenges since, but on that day, the presence of a holy God moved in that little boy's body and has been in here since that day. So I really don't remember and know anything but being with Jesus from the inside out. And if he said to me, I'm going to do an experiment, and I'm going to step out for a day, I'm going to say, I don't want to be a part of your experiment. Because I don't ever want to know anything but being with him and him with me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get you some Jesus. Because when, when he is not living within you, you are truly empty. And there is no meaning. There is no purpose. There is no hope. There is no future. There's no nothing. Because he said without, without me, he told them, you can do nothing. Without him, you have nothing. When he moves in, everything changes. So you take these people who had him with them, and if you were blessed enough to be on the planet at that time, and literally God in the flesh, right there with you, with you, with you, with you, with you, with you, everywhere you went, he's with you. And then he starts talking about leaving. That is scary stuff. Because I have had the privilege of having God in the flesh with me. So then he dies, buried, raised from the dead, ascends into heaven, but he promises something, that he's going to send a helper. So when the Holy Spirit shows up, what do they know? He's back. That same presence, same of, it's a different kind, but it's the same. And he moves in, they go, oh, I'm going to be okay, because now he's not just with me, he's in me. When you become a Christian, he moves in you, and everything changes. So, John 14, 1, he knows they're troubled about him leaving. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am... There you may be also. I want you with me. I will not leave you. I'll come after you. Um, I, Jesus may come back in my lifetime. I'll be taken up. I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't know where I'm going to be. But when I do, it will be him coming after me. I can tell you that. 
House is ready, baby. Come on. Come on. You say, well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you miss your wife and kids and all your family? And the answer is no. You say, well, what? that's a terrible thing to say. I won't, I, won't, I won't be thinking about that when I get there because I'll be dead. You say, well, what about your family? Be really careful getting more attached to your family than you are to Jesus. Would you trade Jesus in for your family? The answer better be no. Now, he's not asking for that. You say, well, that sounds very insensitive. Do you love your wife? Absolutely. Do you love your kid? Absolutely. But I don't love any of them more than I love Jesus. And I've told my girls for years, you want to get married? You bring a man home who loves Jesus more than he loves you, and you're going to be okay. The world tells you find someone that loves you more than anything else. Do not do that because that makes another person your whole life. You can't do that. People die on you. Now, if you can miss people in heaven, I'd miss my, my wife and kids. I don't think there's no tears in heaven. I'll read you that in a minute. Um, now, if I go first and she comes, she follows, obviously, I'll be glad to see her. She won't be my wife in heaven. And that'll be a good relief for her. Most women, that's one of their life verses. You mean I won't have to be married anymore? This is going to be tremendous. <laughs> Hopefully that's not true, but I've prayed it is. Now look at this exchange with them. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. What does that tell you about Jesus? He wants us to be with him. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. He says, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like, what are you talking about? And how can we know the way? Like, what do you mean where you're going in the way to get there? And then if you've ever heard this verse, Jesus said to him, I'm the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is the verse that people hate unless they know what it means. Because the world says you're too narrow-minded. You're saying there's only one way to, there's only one way to heaven. You're exactly right. All roads lead to God. Only one road leads to heaven. Everybody's going to face the Father. Everybody's going to have to face God. But only one of these roads leads to heaven. And his name is Jesus. You better get you some Jesus. Uh, I may not have time to read this whole thing, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And you can read the rest of the chapter. But I love verses like this. And he's quoting Isaiah 64 here when he says this. But um, Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a, in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had known what was going on, the mystery of who he was and what was really happening... 
Thank God they, they, they didn't know in a way because then they would have tried to stop it. And then we'd really be in trouble. And then verse 9. But as it is written, now think about this, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. No one has seen it, heard about it, in their heart, even imagined it, come up with it. You, whatever you come up with on heaven, and you can go read the chapters in Revelation that describe it, I promise you, you cannot, you cannot do it justice. And when you get there, you'll go, you'll need a new mind, you'll need a new body to absorb it. First Thessalonians 4. Just a few more and we're done. And he's talking about people dying and down in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the, the dead in Christ rise first, then we caught up in the air. And then the ver the, it says this, And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now you say, well, what's the big deal? It doesn't get any better than always being with the Lord. You say, well, I can think of a lot of things better than that. And that's the problem. We get too attached here. We get too settled here. We get too comfortable here. Why did they pray, even so, come Lord Jesus? Today, today, either take me or come get me, or in some cases they were being arrested, they were being killed, terrible things were happening. And in those cases you say, well, it, it, it's got to get better than this. So some of our challenges, it's too easy down here. we got too much. We're too blessed. And we go, wow, let's just stay here. What's, what's wrong with this? I referenced this a minute ago. Uh, let's go to 3 John chapter 1, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius. And don't read fast over stuff like this. The elder to the what? Beloved Gaius. Think of all the people that are beloved in your life. You say, what does that mean? It means they be loved. A lot. So who you be loved by? It's a very dangerous thing just to be a religious person and not be loved. And one of the things around here, you stay here long enough and I still got people won't do it. I'll hug your neck and tell you I love you. You know why I tell you I love you? Because I love you. The elder, to the beloved Gaius. This guy, he be loved. <laughs> beloved, again, now to the group beloved. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your souls prosper. So I want you to be prosper, good things go for you, healthy as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And then verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children 
walk in truth. And that's it. It doesn't get any better on this side than that right there. You say, well, so what gets you excited? Um, I get excited when Hannah grows. Because I love Hannah. And I see where she was when I met her. And I see how the Holy Spirit is changing her life. It's maybe slow, maybe messy, but she's not the same person. And I rejoice greatly over that. Because I say, it works, it works. And on this side, for me, my kids getting saved, and the people that be loved by me, <laughs> that God's giving me the privilege of knowing you, and you grow, and it gets better, and you get closer to him, and you walk with him, and you figure stuff out. It just literally like just takes your breath away. You're like, wow, this like is so encouraging. Because even if it's just a few people, you go, this works. It's working in me, but it's working in you. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's the stuff that matters, people. Um, that's all that matters. He's not saying this other stuff doesn't matter, that you may prosper in all things and be health and in health just as your soul prospers, but make sure it's on all categories. Um, God has been very kind to me. I, if you ask me, what do you want for Christmas, your birthday, I promise you'd have to make something up. I'm trying to give stuff away. If you, if you need something, I'll, you can have mine. I just, you know, um, and I can't take it with me. I, I appreciate the things that God has blessed me with that I can enjoy while I'm here, but I can't take any of it with me. The things that matter to me, I am trying to take with me, and those things are you. And people that I meet, like Jose the other day, who became a Christian, and now Jose's going with me. And it doesn't get any better than that. That's as good as it gets. Now let me close by reading you just one little piece out of Revelation 21. And this should be encouraging uh, if you're wondering if this is as good as it gets. Revelation 21.1, and this is John seeing all this, being taken into the future and revealed all this. Revelation. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with, is, is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he sat on the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the bride. A first look, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates, the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of that city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth, and the measure of the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its walls, its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its walls was jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, so slab of the city, one slab jasper, another one sapphire, the third chalcedony, the, third em the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. So slabs of precious stones. And here we're trying to buy little stones and wear them on our hands. I'm not against it. I'm just saying. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. It's not the pearl, it's the shell that it came in. I mean, think about this. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And as awesome as all that is, look at verse 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations and those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If you belong to Satan, your name's not in the book. If you'd like to get your name in the book, get you some Jesus. And it won't get any better than that. Not possible. That's as good as it gets. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that this is not all there is. 
And I pray, first of all, Lord, for anybody in this room or beyond who is wrestling, grappling with, is there any truth to this? And I beg you, God, to give them the faith to take that step, the courage to take that step and trust you and believe and realize this is not all there is and, and follow you and, and understand that you do have a plan, you do have a purpose. This is not all there is. It is not just dust to dust and it's over. And if they cannot explain what they hear in their heart, in their soul, and the battle that is going on, if there is nothing to any of this, why the battle? Why do they care at all? Why are they being pulled in two directions? Help them see that there's a real enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and there's a a real God, you, trying to, to save them, rescue them, because you love them. So for those that would say yes, Lord, today, that they would pray a simple prayer, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I admit it. I need your forgiveness. I cannot make this life worth without you, work without you. I, I don't want to live without you anymore. I certainly can't die without you or I won't, I won't make heaven. So I'm telling you, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe personally that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead, shed his blood to pay for my sin. And I ask you right now, God, to move into my body in the person of the Holy Spirit and save me and let me know what has been described today. The filling of the Holy Spirit that you aren't just near me anymore. You are in me now. And I can never be alone again. And you will never leave me or forsake me. And I will live with you forever in a real heaven Thank you for loving me, for being so patient with me, for sending so many people to help me, and that this is true, and my life has been changed, like starting all over again, being born again. And Father, for those that are Christians, and we've missed the boat in some way, we've gotten cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, we got to thinking maybe that this is as good as it gets down here. Lord, help us. God, help us to realize it's not. That there are things to be, and you give us all things to enjoy. But we need to be making deposits on the other side, taking people with us to the other side. Because that's the stuff that matters. We worship you. And it's so frustrating, God. We're okay for now because we don't have a choice to, by faith, sing songs to you when we can't see you in person. But we long for the day. When we lift our hands and in person cry out with the angels. Holy. Holy, holy. It's the Lord God of hosts. The whole whole earth is filled with his glory. And our prayer is even so, come Lord Jesus. And help us long for that day and love you as nothing else. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime on the website richardellistalks.com. There you'll find the full version of today's talk, plus hundreds more of Richard's challenging and encouraging audio and video talks. Then discover over a thousand cities where Richard Ellis Talks is broadcast. Or you can share a request on the prayer wall. Plus, if you'd like to consider a gift, learn how to join the financial partnership team and so much more at richardellistalks.com. So let's meet again here next time to talk about how God is ready to change your life starting today with Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.